literally the trees glow the gla the grass glows the uh, there's a vibrancy to it the water glows the air it glows this the the beings glow the beings are just so vibrant with with the creator's light there there is no external sun there because the sun the light comes from within Hello and welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our guest is Vincent Todd Todman. He died and was put into a body bag. Vinnie Todd Todman was found in the bathroom of a restaurant. Paramedics declared him dead and put him in a body bag and loaded him into the ambulance. He was in a coma for three days, and during this time, Vinny had a guide who taught him the Ten Principles and took him to heaven. Vinny is the author of The Light After Death. This is his story, and this is his passion. Vinny, welcome to Passion Harvest. I'm excited to be here today, Louisa. Very excited. Thank you so much. Well, you had a profound near-death experience, and you were put into a body bag and pronounced dead and um in a coma for three days and I'm gonna I'm not gonna tell the story I'm gonna pass it over to you and let if you feel comfortable share it with the audience your experiences absolutely I'd love to you know um I do have one of those those different near-death experiences there's a lot of near-death experiences out there now but I do have one of uh, the the oddball ones where I was revived post-death so after I actually died there's um, it's only about 10% of near-death experiences where someone who is actually dead for a certain amount of time and then brought back. Um, and I'm one of those. So I, I'm in the category of what they call the body bags or body bagger. I was in, in a body bag and being taken to uh, essentially the medical examiner in my local vicinity. And, and uh, on the way, there was a rookie medic. He felt a, a premonition or a voice um, he, he called it an intuition, but, uh, he, he felt this intuition tell him that this one's not dead. So he went ahead and began the resuscitation process, even though the body was cold, it, it had actually started to stiffen up in the legs. So, uh, rigor mortis had actually started to set in and he still followed this prompting, this intuition and began the resuscitation process after he hooked the, the heart up or, or the defib machine onto the body. Um, on the third round of shocks, he was able to get a faint but steady heartbeat. And I was watching from above the whole time, but didn't know it was me. I thought that uh, this was just something I was perceiving or observing. So, um, yeah, essentially the miracle to me is that this rookie, he breaks protocol. He went ahead and resuscitated this body. And, and the second miracle to me is the fact that the body was resuscitated within about a half block from an actual hospital where they had a trauma team. So they were able to get that body right into the hospital where they're able to begin working on it, giving it all the life-saving medicine and drugs to uh, facilitate the body to come back. And uh, as they transferred the body from the from the the medical gurney onto the hospital bed or the hospital gurney, um, as they're making that transition, the body went into seizures and so they, they strapped the body down as they, as they were doing this, I felt someone strap my left arm down. I didn't feel them strap anything else, but I felt them strap my left arm 
And I looked down where my left arm would, would be. And what I saw was the left arm of the body. And that was the first inkling I had that what I'd been wa- witnessing essentially was my, my own death and revival. And uh, it, was, it was quite scary. It's freaky because um, I, I try to equate it to something in this world so that people can understand it. It would be kind of like driving down the street and looking over and seeing a car that looks just like your car and seeing someone dressed just like you in the car. And, and you're driving side by side for a while and then you realize, oh, that is actually me. And that, that's the weird thing for me because I was not there. I was, I was observing. I was exterior to what was going on and observing, but I realized it was me. And uh, that's, that's when I went in a bit of a fearful spin or spiral where I started to think, um, how could I be so ignorant? How could I be so dumb to think that, that, that uh, I didn't even know that I had watched my own death? And as this, these thoughts started to placate and go through my mind, um, I then um, started to actually feel the good things that I'd ever done in my life. And I, that I, I, I had a lot of good that I'd done, a, a lot of good influence and a lot of good change I'd helped uh, impact on this world. And that, that good feeling, it felt like a warmth. It really felt like a true warmth coming from behind me and uh, almost like someone putting a, a warm... Uh, hand on your back and so I turned to see where this warmth was coming from and there was this gentleman there and he really looked like what Hollywood would present God to look like he he did he looked just like what Hollywood would say God looked like it's this this uh this man that was all dressed in white he had the long white beard uh longer white hair but his eyes were really amazing his eyes could you could feel his eyes like connecting to you and you know how there's just no way to explain it really it's just his his eyes would 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 almost penetrate your soul the way that he looked at me and of course my first thought was are you god and without him moving his mouth at all he says no son i'm not god and that was really weird how i i couldn't understand how i had heard that message without him even moving his mouth and then it was just it was just understood at that point that I didn't even move my mouth. I, I didn't need to use my mouth for communication. Even to have a thought, you just instantly understood each other. So my follow-up thought to that was, uh, well, if you're not God, then are you Jesus? And uh, even and I even thought, but you don't look like Jesus, but are you Jesus? And he he just laughed at that and said, no, son, I'm not Jesus. I'm here to be your guide or your escort to help you go wherever you want to go. I can help you go back to your body or I can help you go anywhere you want to go in the universe. And I could feel this, this true divine love coming, pouring off of him, this love that I'd never felt in this world. I'd never felt love like this before. And and it was so, it was so strong and so um, tangible to me. I wanted to go wherever that was coming from. And so I figured it must be coming from, from his home. So I asked him, I want to go to your home, wherever your home is. And he explained to me that his home was also my home, that originally I had come from there as well, and that I could go back with him and we could go home together. So uh, we began this process. I said, oh, yeah, I want to go. I don't want to go back to that body. It looked like hell. It really did. It looked like hell that was going on for the body 
they were, you know, still strapping things down and, and forcing tubes in the mouth and, uh, and just really doing the stuff that they have to do, but it's not pretty. And I looked at that and said, no, I want to go with you. Let's go to our home. So we began our journey. We began this, this very profound life-changing journey. Um, and in the process of this journey, I, I gleaned or learned um, these 10 major principles. I didn't, I never really thought it was 10 principles until we actually wrote the story down. And then we could actually see the 10 very distinct principles I had to learn. And um, many people, when they hear this, they go, they go, Oh, so I'll bet the first principle is love. Right. And I'm like, no, it's not actually. And that, that's what I thought too. I'm um, he, uh, Drake, which is uh, my guide's name. He introduced himself as Drake. He, he told me that this was going to be a journey um, of not just moving from point A to point B or from, from earth to heaven. We are going to be raising our understanding, raising our love energy, our love frequency for us to get to that high place because that high place is such a high vibrational or high love place that I couldn't just go there. I had to actually match my own frequency to that space. And, and when you learn about harmonics and you learn about um, frequency in this earth, that, that actually matches to what we know about, about science too, that to, to bring something, you know, high density to low density, you have to really raise the density of the low density. Now, um, so I had to raise my understanding. It was a hard thing. I thought that I already knew everything I needed to know to get to heaven. I was raised um, in a very strong Christian home. Uh, almost an evangelical-style Christian home. And uh, so I thought I had everything I needed to get into heaven. And um, Drake smiled and loved me for that. And and he kind of put his hand on my shoulder and said, I love that you feel that you you deserve to get to heaven, but there's actually a lot more um, that we've, we've got to help you understand for you to be able to get there. And it began with the most important thing, which is, um, the first principle that I learned, which is authenticity. So authenticity to me was the first thing that I had to learn. Uh, even before love, I had to learn authenticity. And the reason why is he, he showed me that until I could be my authentic self, I truly couldn't love anyone else and I couldn't be loved. So I needed to get my authentic self out. I needed to figure out what that was, who that was, and allow myself, my core, to be that and be in my authentic self before I could begin my progress. And uh, that was a, a little hard for me. I didn't realize that I had started building all these masks that I used to wear. I had a mask or a face that I would wear for work, one I would wear at home, one I would even wear at church or, or at different friends. Or if we went out to the club or wherever, I had a different mask that I would wear everywhere I went. And uh, I needed to peel away all those masks that I wore and figure out who I was underneath it all. And that's, that's, that became the first step of, of my growth or my journey is to, to understand that I had to be my authentic self um, first and foremost. And then next I had to understand, uh, or I was, I was given to understand the, the real purpose of life. And that the real purpose of life is for us to come to earth school, to learn how to make decisions on our own, 
to learn how to uh, actively use agency to create and use agency to build relationships and build a life. And that's what we're here to, to do. Uh, school or school is a, a classroom, not a courtroom. I, uh, you know, I was, I, I had thought that it was more of a, a courtroom before that we were here to be judged according to our actions. Um, and there is a, a, an essence of judgment there, but it's not God judging us. It's us judging ourselves. And I was shown that, uh, you know, this is the classroom and, and we essentially do, we do, will end up judging ourselves on how well or how, how good or how bad we did. But, but the essence of why we're here is to learn and to, to functionally be able to make choices. Cause I was shown that we love our creator so much that if we were to even remember how much we love our creator, that uh, a lot of our decisions would be made for us by that love. That love is so strong. So we even couldn't remember how much we love our, our father, our creator, our father, mother, you know, God creator. We had to uh, forget how much we loved them so that we could, uh, truly independently make our own choices here and have agency. Um, so yeah, the first step was again, authenticity. Next was to understand the real purpose of life. And then I got to the love principle, which is the third principle and that's love everyone. And uh, that one was, was fairly easy for me. I really have always had a great love for all mankind. Um, but I was also shown that, Beyond even mankind, I needed to love all beings. That means animal beings, plant beings, rock beings, like all the all the 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 creation that was created by our God, our Creator. I needed to love all of that, not just the people. So that was a little uh, opening for me, but but I was good with that. I actually already had a very strong love of nature already. So I, I felt that, that that really synchronized with me. And that brought me to the fourth principle, which is to love, um, or sorry, to listen to your inner voice. And um, that one was weird for me. I, I, I thought, well, what do you mean inner voice? And he explained to me that here we are communicating, but he's not using an outside voice. It's a, a voice from within. And I'm hearing that voice from within. So where we were in our journey already, I, I had a full comprehension of, of using an inner voice, a voice from within me to understand Drake. And he helped me understand that all of us have a spark of our creator inside of us, a, a, a uh, fractal of the creator's light is existent within all of us. And that that fractal or that piece of light, that piece of of our creator that's there, it has a very distinct voice that we can listen to. And many times, you know, uh, when we're going about our day and our friend's name goes in our head and we can't get that friend's name out of our head and then they call us, that's that inner voice. It's reaching out. It's letting you know, hey, you should call this person. And because you're not doing it, um, they end up calling you. And it's funny that that's, that inner voice is is very constant for us if we listen, if we want to listen. And what's really neat too, is the more that we listen to that inner voice, the more uh, strength that voice gets within us. So uh, almost the louder it gets within us, 
to a point where we could go through a grocery store and say, should I get this? And we'll feel a very strong prompting or intuition, yes or no, about anything. It's, it's a very strong spark of our creator within us. So understanding that, that we have an inner voice and we need to listen to it. And then that brought me to the fourth principle, which is use technology responsibly. Um, now, when I had my experience, it was 20 years ago, but it was 2003. And technology wasn't as advanced as it is now. And I fully understand this principle now. But back then, I had a hard time with it. I didn't understand how technology could take over my life. I didn't feel that it was. I, I felt technology to me was my PC at home, you know, my personal computer or my laptop. And, uh, and even those were kind of in their infancy stages. They, you couldn't even get a very powerful uh, PC back then. Nothing like today. And I, nobody really spent a ton of time on their computers unless they did it for work. So I didn't see how technology um, could take over my life, but I was shown very, very clearly that I, at that time, needed to begin having a, a, a responsible relationship with technology because if I didn't have um, a, a responsible relationship with it, that it would eventually take over my life and, and essentially take over my consciousness where uh, almost everything, every waking moment is, is utilized or used with technology. And um, now I see that. I see that very strongly. As you're going around any major city, even some of these small towns, you see uh, all ages walking around, head down, staring at a phone, uh, not even aware of where they're walking a lot of times. And uh, you go into restaurants all over, you see families and friends sitting there and staring at their phones, not even looking in each other's eyes, having no human experience whatsoever. All they're doing is just pouring their, their essence, their consciousness into technology. So, you know, that principle became very important for me now is using technology responsible, responsibly became extremely important now and will get even more important in the near future. That brought me to the, the sixth principle, which was release prejudice. And this one was really funny to me because I thought that of all my friends, I was probably one of the least prejudiced people that I knew. I really, I was, uh, you know, extremely inclusive of all uh, races, religions, cultures, creeds, lifestyles, all of it. I just loved everybody. I really did. And, and Drake smiled and he put his arm around me and said, I, I love how much you love humanity. But he said, how do you feel about prejudiced people? And that's when I just started, I started to go off. Well, I hate prejudiced people. They're so ignorant and, and closed-minded. And they, they don't know even why they hate others. And, and sometimes it's, they, they choose women to hate. Sometimes they choose men to hate. Sometimes they choose races or religions. And, and I kind of went off with him. And he explained that by me hating prejudiced people, I actually was joining their ranks. I myself was becoming prejudiced by hating prejudiced people. That was a big aha moment for me. I, almost, I would call it a wake up because it was a wake up for me. I, there was a part of me that, that realized that even though I thought I was guilt free when it came to loving everyone, that I was joining the ranks of prejudiced people because I hated prejudiced people. 
and that I didn't want that for me or for my life. And I wanted to, I wanted to get out of the ranks of prejudiced people and not be one of them. So I had to see, and Drake helped me see that prejudice is just mankind's way of dealing with being a victim. That somehow someone was made a victim and they, they, they choose to put a lot of the fault of their victimness or victimhood on a certain race or religion, a lifestyle, something that is different than them. And that many, many times it is something about themselves that they're hating, not what they're looking at, but it's something about themselves. And so he helped me understand that, that prejudice comes from, from being hurt and that someone who is healthy and happy, they don't naturally find prejudice. They don't. It's only victims. Hurt people hurt people. You know, they, they're the ones who go out and hurt others is because they've been hurt. They feel that that's their, their right to go hurt others. And, and so I, I did. I disseminated myself from the ranks of prejudiced people. And I started to understand that I could love even prejudiced people and because I would have to love them too if for me not to be prejudiced myself. And uh, that brought me to the, the seventh principle, which is exercise the power of creation. And, and this was quite interesting to me. I didn't believe that I had any powers of creation. And Drake showed me that I could build a building and it began with my thoughts first. And with time and effort, I could actually have a building come to form in front of me. Now, through the efforts of, of people I organize and or contract to do that, but still, it is the power of creation that I think the building first, and then the building exists a short time later. And it is with our thoughts that we create. And we have these magic wands called our thoughts. If we can control our thoughts, we can really control what we create in our life. Because, you know, our thoughts become our, our habits and our habits become our character and our character becomes our destiny. It really uh, directs where we're going to go in our life. So it begins with our thoughts. So, you know, exercising the power of creation was the seventh principle. And that's, that's really an important for, one for me is to, to actively control and orchestrate my own thoughts in a positive manner. And thus I get positive outcomes. I get positive benefits if I can really control my thoughts. And uh, then, it, then it brought me to the eighth principle, which is avoid negative influences. And, and really seven and eight principles go to hand in hand, because if we are, our thoughts are creative in nature, we can create with our thoughts, thus the importance to avoid negative thoughts, avoid negative influences. So the eighth principle is avoiding negative influences. And I was shown that many times in life, people that are stuck in a cycle of failure or a cycle of being a victim of some sort, they get very stuck on um, watching and consuming uh, negative energy content. And what that would be would be like um, maybe drama entertainment, violence entertainment, entertainment that doesn't show love or respect for, for humanity and life. And, and this type of entertainment becomes a negative influence. And one of the strongest negative influences in the whole world is news. And that I myself, at, especially at that time, 
I, I was really diving into the news every morning and every night. And I learned uh, the, the importance of what was, was told to me is that the hour of power, which is the first 30 minutes when we wake up and the last 30 minutes before we go to bed. And we're, we're actually framing our day. We're framing what our day is going to be with those thoughts we allow in that space. Now, if we allow sports in, in our last 30 minutes and our first 30 minutes, we're essentially framing our life to be a sports life. And, and hey, that, that may be not too bad for some people, but what we don't realize is this almost becomes a religion for us. What we're allowing in our hour of power essentially becomes our life or our religion. So we can uh, be very cognizant and succinct about what we allow in our hour of power. And we can use those magic thoughts that create, and we can think beautiful things and put beautiful things in our hour of power. And we will actually see beautiful things start to come into fruition and come to form in our lives. But again, it, it begins with, with really um, understanding the, the importance of, of avoiding any negative influences. And then, you know, principle nine is understanding the purpose of evil, that even those negative influences, there is a purpose for them. That all evil, is, there is a purpose. And here's the purpose. For us to learn and make choices, there needs to be good choices and bad choices. If all there is is good choices, we're not learning. We're not progressing. For us to be able to learn, we have to have agency. And this also explains why there is, you know, God allows so many bad things to happen in this world. Because those are, those are our things, not God's things. Those are things we do as mankind to each other. But if, if God was to take away the agency, it's all or nothing. We either can make choices or we can't. And if we can't make choices, we can't grow. Thus, we wouldn't even be here. We wouldn't want to be here if we couldn't grow. Because Earth School is one of the hardest schools. It's, you know, outside of this space, everyone knows Earth School is one of the hardest schools. One of the hardest places to go and learn. But it's also one of the best places to get the most progress out of your learning. And that's why we come here. So, you know, understanding the purpose of evil, that's the, the principle nine. And then principle 10, which is my favorite principle, is know that we are all one. Know that we are all fingers on God's hands. That every single one of us is, is a spark, a fractal of, of that light, that creator light. And that all of us combined together are, are one in, in God's body, in God's physical nature. That we are all one. And that for us to hurt each other is to hurt ourselves. And for us to hate each other is for us to hate ourselves. And I was, I was shown in this part um, the principle of the pointed finger, which is really kind of cool. It's a beautiful principle where... Uh, you know, when we point our finger at someone and we say, hey, you know, such and such person is a bad person, we're, we're essentially putting blame on them as being bad. We're sending an essence of that same blame up toward, to God. And then we turn that, that hand around, we see three fingers pointed back at us, meaning that anything we try to, to dump on anyone else as far as judgment, we're really dumping on ourselves three times more than we could ever dump on anyone else. 
So if we're pointing out negative about anybody, we're, we're pointing out negative about ourselves. But here's the beautiful part of the, the principle of the pointed finger. If I give compliments, I'm receiving compliments. If I give blessings, I'm receiving blessings. If I give service, I'm receiving service. And this principle is very important that if you're, you feel you're missing anything in your life, anything, you, you feel you're missing happiness, then go give happiness to others and you yourself will be happy three times greater than you could ever have been if you tried to just give yourself happiness. It's a, a beautiful, beautiful synchronistic equation that uh, embodies that 10th principle that we are all one. We are all one in God's family, in the Creator's family. We are all fingers on the Creator's hand. And that led me to actually touching down in heaven, getting, getting to this heaven space. And it is a real place, a real space. Um, it, it looks like a planet or a sphere, but it's much, much larger than even our sun is. You could fit multiple suns inside of this thing. And, and it's almost as if a planet and a sun was hybridized together. Because in this space, light was coming from within everything. Whereas here, you know, on Earth, light is coming from the sun, and it reflects off of things here. And that's what allows us to see them. But there, light is actually coming from within all creation. Literally, the trees glow the gla the grass glows the uh, there's a vibrancy to it the water glows the air it glows this the the beings glow the beings are just so vibrant with with the creator's light there there is no external sun there because the sun the light comes from within and for us that's that's a big lesson for us that that our eternal nature is to have light come from within, not from the outside. And a beautiful aspect of that that I've learned from my experience is our superheroes are not outside of us. Our superheroes are inside of us. And it is us waking up that superhero within, that hero within. It will be the, the, the savior of those around us. We can be the savior for each other. And that... Um, the better we can embody light from within us, the closer we can feel to heaven. And I, I'm experiencing all of this heaven. And, you know, I could talk for hours, literally hours about just the grass there. The grass is so full of this inexplainable love. The grass itself has a beautiful music coming off of it, um, a frequency coming off of it. It actually had like a sweet, savory flavor to it. Even I wasn't eating the grass. I was just touching it with my feet. I could, I could taste. I could experience the grass. And the flowers were so, just so dementia uh, or demense. There's so many different type of, of light and dimension in the flowers themselves. Just thousands of colors that we don't have here because it's the colors that you see that are what I call source light colors, where the colors coming from the light within. There's so many colors there and 
and the diverseness or diversity that you find in, in flowers and trees and leaves and the water. The, the water is extremely healing. The water would come to you in, in love and peace and ask if you wanted it on you. And, and as soon as you said yes, the water would just come, on, like come up onto you and it would cleanse every, every, every toe, every fiber, every, every aspect of who you are. It would cleanse you as it came over you. And any trauma, any harm that this earth life had, had damaged into you energetically, it would flush or fill with this immense, beautiful light. And I saw this building, this great building, that um, I was shown to be the university or a place of learning. And that people were so excited to be there. They were ex just ecstatic to be there at the university. <clears throat> and as they would approach a room, the room would just form an opening and they would go inside and then the, the opening would close. Um, but what was really neat about it is there was a certain frequency or love energy at every classroom there. And you had to match that love energy to get into the space. And if you couldn't match it, there would just be no, no opening formed. And you would move on to another class that you could match the energy to. It made it so that there was no teachers needed. It made it so that there was no doors needed. That this building completely functioned out of divine love. And that's when I started to, to really get a grasp that this whole space functioned off of divine love off of the love of our creator for us and that everything just just had the presence of our creator in it everything did from the grass to the to the university the trees the water um and and even my guide drake i could really feel at this point the creator's love coming from drake even and drake my guide he he put his arm around me and he said vinnie this is going to be hard but it's going to be worth it and he hugged me and he gave me the most beautiful experience that I've ever had and, and probably will ever have till I get back to heaven where I got to feel the, the union of two, two beings of light coming together. And I felt the vibrancy of both our energy as he hugged me. And it's very different than a hug here. The, the hugs we give here, they're, it's like a mimicking or, or a foreshadowing of real hugs. The real hugs are there. The, the bringing together of the, the two, two beings in light. And as he was hugging me, I, I started to hear a, a, a prayer or a blessing being given to my body. Now, fast forward, this has been three days now that I've been in a, in a coma. I've been brain dead. The body's been brain dead and in a coma for three days. And my brother was was on earth and giving a special blessing over my body and this special blessing he he essentially he was early he was given earlier a bunch of pamphlets on uh, palliative care and hospice care for me that the family needed to make some arrangements because i was brain dead they were going to get me transferred to one of these facilities where I could go and be cared for long-term and not just a hospital. But he, would, he had been given these pamphlets earlier in the day, and he, it really hit him how much um, 
it was hurting him that he, his brother was essentially gone. And it was the love he felt from that experience that, that fueled his prayer, his blessing that he gave my body. And he blessed me that I would be made whole and that I would come back. And this happened about 9.30 p.m. And uh, uh, I came back. I did come back. To me, it felt instantaneous from the time he said amen and he closed that blessing. When he closed that blessing, I felt instantaneously that I came back. It was a few hours, though. So my, my brother did say that blessing at 9.30 p.m., and then I woke up at 1.11 in the morning that following day on the 21st. So I went into the hospital on the, the morning of the 18th, and I, I walked out of it the morning of the 21st. So I did have my three days in heaven. And uh, I woke up with no immediate memory of my experience until the following evening when I was uh, sitting down for a dinner. And someone kind of cornered me, my sister, she cornered me. And asked me, you know, uh, if I remembered anything, if if I had a near-death experience. She was very into stuff like this. And um, my my mind went to answer no and went to say no. But what actually came out of me was, was an instant download of my entire experience. And I just started to weep as I tried to, to, to discuss and talk about it. And I, I've had a lot of amazing experiences um, attached to my experience itself, including finding out who Drake, my guide, is. I found out seven months later that he was my great, great, great grandfather on my grandmother's side. And the way I found out is just a beautiful experience, which I have it in, in my book, but it's, it takes a lot of uh, you know talking to even... Uh, discuss how it all went down, but I'll tell you, it was a beautiful experience to know that that Drake wasn't just a loving guide. He was part of my family. He was part of my ancestry. And that um, I was being looked after from generations earlier to multiple generations earlier. That um, I was lovingly escorted into heaven as I was lovingly escorted out of heaven. But I did feel I had agency all the way up until that special blessing that my brother gave. And then I was forced. I, my agency was removed because if, if I had had full agency, I would have stayed. I wanted to stay. And, and, and that became the hard part for me is, is picking up and starting to live now in this world where I knew nothing here is, you know, here on earth is real, that the, the real life is there that here is just a school, a virtual school at that, where we can come here, we can learn. We can uh, learn how to create with our thoughts. We can learn to bless and love others and, and build amazing relationships. And it's those things we get to take with us. And that's, that's my experience. And it kind of in a nutshell, that's my experience. And of course, there's a lot more to it, but uh, it, it would take you know hours and hours to to really go over it and discuss it all. But, you know, um, it's been, it's been an, an amazing experience even since my near death or after death experience itself, because I've, I've really learned how much our creator does love us even here. 
And, and I, I see that when I'm able to serve and help others. I see that when um, I see parents caring for their kids. I see that when people are caring for the homeless, for any time that, that we're caring for each other, I can feel and I can see that heaven's light. And that, that to me is, is the beautiful aspect of our creator here, that when we're in the service of each other, when we're in the service of, of uh, our fellow man, we truly are in the service of God. Oh, that's my, my experience. Lisa. <laughs> I, no, I'm blown away. That was so amazing, Vinny. Thank you so much. I almost cried a few times. Wow. Your details of heaven and the 10 principles are just wonderfully detailed and explained. Oh my gosh. I don't even have any questions. Thank you so much. And a big <laughs> congratulations on your book, uh, yes, a light after you. death. Yes. It's doing really good. Um, and, you know, I didn't write it to um, make any type of uh, career or anything of this. This is this this book strictly is to to help people. And that's what we've we've done. Even my publisher has that that uh, distinct purpose with it is we want that story to get out for those who it speaks to. It's not for everybody. It's definitely not for everybody. But I, I've seen a, a majority consensus of people that read it or listen to it because it is on audible and, and on Kindle for those who are able to experience what I went through. Um, it helps them connect better to their creator. And it doesn't matter. The religion doesn't matter. You know, the name that you put on God, it's it, the book itself can help you have a stronger relationship with your creator. And, and that's what we, we put it out there for is to just explain what happened to me. One man's story, you know, my story, and how it may help you, may not, but I, I, we're finding a, a dominancy that it is helping people in very, very beautiful ways. And we're, we're loving this experience so far. It's, it's been a, a great success already, and it's only been out for about six months. Well, a big congratulations. You're just such a beautiful beam of light. I will leave a link in the show notes below, but where's the best place for people to connect with you? So um, I have my own website. Uh, my website is livinggodslight.com. Uh, we're a nonprofit. We do um, teaching people how to actually connect better to their creator. Um, I personally do coaching through the Living God's Light um, program. And then uh, we actually do retreats as well so that people can, can uh, go, come hands-on and, and do um, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, exercises to help them have a better embodiment of their own light and their own uh, relationship with their God. And uh, yeah, that's, we, we also do some, some YouTubes and some zoom sessions there where uh, people can reach out and connect. And I will also put this interview there. I, I put any interview I ever do there. So, um, you know, people can track the interviews and follow them if that's, that's something they would like to do too. And then of course, uh, the book itself is on Amazon, Audible, Kindle, all the major platforms. Uh, you can also request it through your libraries. Uh, most libraries are allowing the requesting on it. And then some small bookstores are taking it on as well. But uh, uh, most of it's all on Amazon and Audible and Kindle. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Vinny. I'm blown away still. That was amazing. I can't wait to rewatch this episode. And thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. I really, yeah, really thank appreciate it. Thank you, Louisa. Thanks for having me on. And, and, uh, 
and want to send a, a, a great beam of love to your entire audience and to you and to uh, all those who are watching this. Sending it back to you. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Vinny. You. <laughs> Bye. Have a blessed day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you liked this episode, please do subscribe for weekly passionate inspirational interviews.